This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Hey, good morning, Mosaic Church. I hope your meet and greet went really well at home, and we have some exciting news we want to share with you. So um, we're going to try to do a Zoom meeting uh, tonight. Sunday night, we'll send you an email. It's just going to be a Zoom party, actually, not a meeting. And so we'll send you the links, and we're excited to see everybody, the little kids, the babies, uh, everyone, uh, just throw them into the camera, and uh, we'll just enjoy each other's faces. So uh, before we go any further, I do want to acknowledge our, our friends, our guests, and I'll just ask you a super easy question, uh, Adam Kim. Uh, how long have you been part of Mosaic Church? And you can just grab one of those mics and just share with us. Well, we've both been part of Mosaic since its inception. So we were part of the planning committee that you had formed when we were first deciding whether or not to actually start a church. So, so, so um, do you remember when we were thinking about calling the church Journey? I think I remember you joking about calling it that, and everybody rolled their eyes. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking like <laughs> koinonia and stuff like yeah. that, but all of you guys uh, shot those things down. Uh, so he stuck with Mosaic. Um, and so you guys predate Mosaic as well. You guys were part of Chi Alpha Campus Ministry. And how long have you guys been married now? Nine years. Nine years. Nine years. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seems so we like... We started in Chi Alpha in 2003. Ooh. So. <laughs> it's been a while, yes. so we're excited about that. Hey, so I'm going to continue our sermon series. If you have your Bibles, Mosaic Family, uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. It's just a very short verse. Uh, I'll do 3 and 4. Uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And today's focus is, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So I love that, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. I just want to say hello, we love you. Robin and I have been praying for you, and we just uh, like for you to do us a favor. Actually, if you could send us an email, let us know that you just say hello. Just send us an email to Mosaic Church TLH. We'll put up a little uh, PowerPoint up, and uh, just if you could do that during the sermon, that'd be awesome. We just want to know that you're there, and we just want you to know that we have been absolutely praying for you and praying that uh, this virus will leave in the name of Jesus. Amen? And so, uh, I do have a tougher question for you now. And so, how long have you been following Jesus, and has there been a time when you wandered away from the truth, or wandered away from Jesus, and what brought you back? So, if you grab a mic and just tell us. Sure. Well, I grew up in the church, uh, going to Christian school, actually. Um, So uh, the concept of walking with Jesus was always a part of my life. I would say that I came to really understanding what salvation was and what it was to walk with Jesus in second grade. But that really got challenged in the teenage years. Um, And it wasn't necessarily a falling away from truth in the sense of a rebellious, sinful life on the outward appearance, but more uh, a loss of truth in understanding what it meant to have a relationship with God personally or to see God as someone um, personally invested in me and caring for my life on an individual level. Um, And so then it made it easy to be 
sort of less committed or less passionate about having a relationship with God, this kind of, if he doesn't care for me, do I care so, for him? Right. So maybe a little detachment? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there was a, a distance there and kind of a, a rebellious spirit comes in with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, you know, ultimately coming out of it by seeing and God revealing himself to have been present all along in a lot and of so, ways. And so, yeah. How, and how did that uh, come back? Was there an event that happened or just... I would say it was a combination of different events at different times um, between dreams, you know, understanding scripture in new ways, um, other friendships or just moments where people spoke, you know, just the right thing at just the right time um, that really it's hard for me to think of those specific examples because it was really just experienced as God pursuing me. Amen. Adam, how about you? So again, there's been a time where you wandered away from the truth and, and what brought you back to Jesus, that truth? So similar to Kim, I pretty much my entire life I've uh, been a follower of Jesus. I can remember, uh, I don't remember a specific age I was, but it had to have been four or five because it was before my sister was born. Uh, I can remember laying in bed and one of my older brothers was with me and him talking to me about what it meant to receive Jesus as your savior. So really, it's always been my whole life that I followed Jesus. And there's never been a point where I'd say I fell away, but there have been periods of, of uh, more or less active following or, sure. or, or passive following. And um, I'd say what, what makes me step back into more active would probably be more on an act of God than anything of my own doing, something right. that he would do some way that the spirit would move or convict me or mm-hmm. something like that, that would really remind me that, hey, there's more to this than just being a spectator or whatever. So, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, did you ever experience like an, an experience of like God's awesomeness? You know, part of that is like what we've been doing in our small group in the book on prayer is maybe an awareness of our brokenness, but at the same time, awareness of God's awesomeness or, or the price that he paid. And do you recall anything like that? Maybe it was like, I remember when <clears throat> finally it's some, like something clicked in my heart about the price that Jesus paid. You know, it's hard to do that when you're in second grade. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to grab a mic, if you can think of anything. Um, so one came to mind, you know, as I talked about that for me, it was always more that struggle of feeling you know, how close is God reaching out to me as I'm reaching out to him. And I remember in one period, um, just kind of struggling with loneliness, um, not just in my relationship with God, but friendships, other relationships and, um, you know, just all that went with that. And I remember one night, um, it was in a small group meeting, um, praying about it and kind of reading through scripture and seeing where Jesus cries out or when Jesus' friends betray him mm-hmm. and then also calls out to God, why have you forsaken me? Right. And it really hit me profoundly that Jesus fully understood what I was experiencing, both in that sort of betrayal and loneliness and distance from his disciples and that he also felt a distance with God because of as sin was laid on him, it created this distance from God. And so um, it kind of wiped away that experience of, you know, loneliness or that feeling that that separation was there because not only had Jesus experienced it, he had closed that gap. That is a great story. And I think it fits really well. Okay. Yeah. We'll just move on. Uh, So Mosaic Church, I'd like for us to just focus on that second verse 
Uh, blessed are those who mourn. And we already talked about what, what the word blessed means. It means God's favor, God's smile. You know, he's, he's, he smiles when we, we do these certain things. Um, and so one is the, having that poverty of spirit. So God's approval. Uh, the second thing is the, the mourning. Blessed are those who mourn. It's a deep sorrow. It's uh, deep sadness. And uh, Adam, you and I, we kind of experienced something similar, and not the same in any way. So I'd like to maybe just uh, talk about that. And I'm trying to build a bridge in what Jesus meant when he said that, and maybe our, our own experience. Because he uses the word mourn, deep sadness, deep sorrow. And so something that we can grasp as um, uh, mere humans. Uh, so I, I lost my dad uh, three months ago, and uh, you lost your mom almost three years ago. And so for me, I remember feeling this deep loss of an opportunity to have that relationship with my dad. I just shared, you know, before we, earlier I told you that I had a chance to be and visit my parents and my mom's watching on Sundays uh, and it really kind of still haunts me is I had the chance to see my parents in January. I was in Tampa, and, but I was tired and I was um, just ready to get back to Tallahassee, back to my home. And I remember contemplating, uh, do I drive down an hour down to Sarasota or do I just make it my way back home? And then I just thought, my son's getting married in a few weeks and they're all going to be there. So I, I just went home. So I remember feeling this deep sadness that I lost the opportunity that I could have had another hour, uh, another a day. And so, so when I think of mourn and I feel that I mourn because of that, that separation, that I won't have that relationship. Adam, do you want to share? I know this is still pretty new and... Um, but I'd love for us to be candid, and that's part of what, why we're doing it this, this way. Yeah, so um, when my mom died, it was a result of a car accident. And so there was this whole element of shock that was involved with that. It came out of the blue. Um, it was, there was no way to predict it, no way to, to um, be prepared for it at all. And so that in the actual moment of when it happened was probably the most um, tangible emotion was just the total surprise and sure. shock of it. Um, but the, the pain was very intense um, as well and echoes on, sure. will probably echo my whole life. Um, how I, I experience it now most often is with my kids. Sure. It's all right. Yeah, we see it come as we celebrate milestones in their life right. or um, Adeline had the benefit of knowing her Yaya, um, but right. she was gone before Gideon came into our family. And so sometimes it's, it's grieving um, that they won't have her growing up and that we don't 
get to lean on her um, for parental guidance or support, you know, right. that we um, build relationship. It, it's um, absent and we feel the role and the importance that it played before that now isn't there in the same way. Yeah. <clears throat> and appreciate you, Adam, you know, being... Speak a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Because um, for my mom, her grandchildren were her joy. Mm-hmm. And so that when I see my kids do something particularly spectacular, I can see how much joy she would have gotten. Sure. And so that creates the uh, that lacking mm-hmm. that you were talking about. Um, and also, excuse me, she was a very good parent. And so... I miss sure. being able to ask her when I don't know what to do. Right. Hey, how would you have handled this situation? Or how would you have gone about that? Or, um, so really, as time has progressed, that, that gap or that missing relationship that you described has really become more and more apparent. Right. Well, thank you, uh, Adam and Kim. I know this is still pretty new and raw, and <clears throat> and I appreciate your vulnerability. I, I did not purposely pick you two to talk on this. It was just you guys were third on the list, and it just turned out we are on this subject matter. But I really felt like God made it happen this way because uh, you experienced that mourning. I believe that you know, the word that Jesus is using is the word mourn, that deep sorrow, deep sadness, that loss of relationship. And, and I, I experienced it in a small set because my dad was much older than, than your mom. So my dad lived a full life, you know, he was 87. Um, and, you know, your mom, like you mentioned, was still kind of, um, still young and had a lot of life to live. And only God understands the big picture why, and we have to trust him. And, and, and I know you know that. And so I think that's really interesting how Jesus really talks about, uh, you know, he sits down. You know, uh, when he starts the Beatitudes, he sits down, it says in verse 2, I think, and he begins to teach his disciples. It's his first really big teaching. And so, and what is he going to teach his disciples? Like, this is class is really important. You're not going to want to miss this class. And, and he sits down and he says, blessed are the poor. And then he says, blessed are those who mourn. And one of the things I appreciate you sharing is that I think that we can at least grasp what that word mourning is. And uh, we're going to see in a second that we don't have to live in despair. There are moments that come and go uh, because I believe uh, because of the light of Christ, he vanquishes the shadow that can hang over us because of this deep sadness and sorrow that we've experienced. Uh, and it's because of the sacrifice of Jesus that we get to experience that light. But I think there's something that um, mature, uh, deep followers of Jesus experience that Jesus wants us, he says, blessed are those who mourn. He wants us to mourn in this sense that the same thing that we're feeling, Adam, he feels. He feels that same thing. Sometimes we think that he doesn't feel. Uh, sometimes we think, oh, he's, uh, he doesn't cry or doesn't weep. And we, and we can go through scripture after scripture on the sadness. And so 
One of my favorite stories is found in John chapter 8. It's a very famous story, and I think Mosaic Church, many of you already know it. I won't read it, but you know the story of the woman who was caught in adultery. Uh, they made her stand in front of the group, it says, and they said they were trying to trap Jesus, and this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? And they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. This is John chapter 8. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And you guys, again, know the story. And uh, he says this, and he let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And then he says, and again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who'd heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, only until Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, she said. And he goes, neither uh, do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now, this is the part I want us to focus on. He says, go now and leave your life of sin. And it's really interesting. He doesn't say go and stop being an adulteress or stop, stop this sin. Because I believe Jesus sees the bigger issue that's going on in this woman's life. Uh, her adultery is symptomatic of a, of a relationship that's, that's torn, that's not there. And Jesus wants to get to the heart of the matter. So I, that's what I love about the verse, blessed are those who mourn, because Jesus sees in this woman's life, he mourns for her because uh, this act is just, like I said, symptomatic. Uh, go now, leave your life of sin. And so Jesus sees things that we don't see. And so... And so I believe what Jesus is doing is that he's, he's trying to let her see that there's a bigger issue going on besides being an adulteress. It's, she's severed that relationship because sin severs relationship with God. And so I believe he reintroduces God into her life. He says, go and you know, leave this life of sin. And so she, Probably somebody told her it was sinful. So sin against who? Sin against, of course, our fellow man, but also sin against God. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, Jesus says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. Again, I... You know, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. Uh, they are sheep without a shepherd. And he recognizes that separation, the separation of a relationship, of experience together. And so uh, those things that maybe we've experienced on, on earthly terms. So Jesus mourns the loss of relationship. Uh, he, he's trying to get that woman who got caught in adultery to recognize that she has lost uh, her relationship with God because of her life of sin. And so I just want to maybe ask you guys another question as we're getting close to the end here. Uh, Adam, Kim, uh, is, was there ever a time where God maybe pointed out something deeper in your life that maybe needed attention? And then how did dealing with that uh, mend your relationship with, with God? You know, for me, um, you know, I remember having maybe some 
some hurt uh, feelings towards someone. And God, you know, every time we would do communion, you know, God was like, you know, my heart would feel a little uh, conviction from the Lord. And I remember that one time I just felt like, you know, I need to deal with it. And I did. And I felt like, wow, that all of a sudden I felt like the, the wind of God blowing with me uh, and not necessarily, not that God was blown against me, but I felt like that, that relationship was mended with the Lord. And if you could just share maybe a, a story, just grab the mic. Um, this is sort of a, a recent example um, at my job. Um, some things were not being done right um, by lots of people involved. And it got to a point where uh, consequences were near unless some things really changed. And throughout that time, I had felt like I'd been doing my job exactly, you know, exactly what was the way I was supposed to do and um, began to sort of allow a self-righteousness to come sure. in. And as those consequences became more sure and sure that they were going to happen, um, it became apparent that a lot more people would be affected and could potentially lose their jobs, and nobody wants that, and that's not what I wanted either. So I felt a need to pray um, about the situation, and I felt a real block on that. Like, I just didn't know how to pray for it, um, because on one hand, I felt like justice needed to be done. Right. On the other hand, that justice would cause a lot of hurt for a lot of people, and I didn't want that. And uh, in that situation, I realized that I had really allowed sort of... Um, a Jonah kind of situation to happen in my heart where Jonah is sitting above Nineveh and wanting God to rain down fire. Right. I, had, I had allowed my heart to get to this place where I wanted those consequences to happen. Um, and I realized that that was not a good place to be. Yeah. And in repenting of that heart state, I realized that, or I was then again able to communicate with God right. in a way uh where I could pray for that situation to change. And ultimately, the best, what I viewed, the best outcome could have happened because the the harsh consequences never came about, but there was a real understanding of the seriousness of the situation communicated towards everybody. And so I felt like God really handled the situation in a way only he could, right. despite my own sort of that's, failings in that area. That's neat. And so that um, when we mend those things and we do it God's way, there's that, there's that, that relationship um, is good. And, you know, you're married and I'm married and, and there are times where maybe I'll speak for myself. There was times where it's not flowing really well, but when we make our hearts right with the Lord and each other, I mean, it just, it just, it's wonderful. And so I appreciate you sharing. You want to share something? Um, I'm struggling to find out as, as specific of an example. What I think of more kind of springs off what you were saying about the woman in adultery needing to leave her life of sin and not just one particular act or example. Right. So what's coming to mind for me is more of a theme of um, wanting to always know kind of the right choice or the good action or to have the right answer from God before acting or even in relationships or other situations. Um, and over the years, God's been working on me to realize that that's an attempt to lean on my own power and my my own understanding and not on God's. And that becomes kind of a wrestling match with sure. God for control that then when I, it's not the right choice or not, or I don't understand the right things the right way, it leads to confusion of, you know, 
well, can I hear from God or is God really leading? You know, that it kind of brings that disruption in rather than kind of more trusting and letting go of some of that control or striving for perfectionism. So I don't, it's not a specific example as much as kind of a theme that right. is constantly sort of a back and forth in my relationship with God. You know, and as I shared, one of the things I'm, I'm trying to build on is that, you know, God is looking to, to mend those relationships, to, um, to make things right where we, we get to have fellowship with the Father. And, and if we're not dealing with those things, if we're not mournful for our own sins, that's not going to happen. And so you know, if you want to grow up in your faith in Christ, part of it is recognizing uh, the things that separate us from having that flow with, with Jesus. And so I, that's what I love about this uh, verse. It's the heart of God. And if you, once you read it and understand it and you read the rest of, you know, you read all of the, the Bible, you see, man, this is God's heart. Uh, he doesn't wish that anyone will perish, you know, so he, he sacrifices his life so to, to have that relationship back with his creation. And so I just uh, love this verse and I, and I appreciate your stories. Uh, you know, sometimes we, um, you guys maybe alluded to it, is that the wrong attitude is like, I hope they get what they deserve. And really that's, um, we don't have time to go that and I'll go on a rabbit trail, but really that's looking down. And God doesn't not, that's where the, the poverty of spirit doesn't, it keeps us from looking down because we're already down um, and we look to him. But when we lose that poverty of spirit, we begin to look down or, you know, or those people disgust me. That, that to, again, is looking down versus, oh, my heart's broken for that. You know, maybe we see someone, you know, on the streets that's, you know, obviously not living right and living in sin and the right response, I believe God wants to extrapolate from us as believers, as growing in Christ, is have a mournful spirit and not a, a justice, uh, judgmental spirit. And so that's why certain, when we see people's acts of sin, we, our response should be sadness. That's really sad that they're doing that. Not that that's disgusting or that's gross, because it, it may be, but again, our attitude is mournful and sadness for the sins, not only in our own life, but for those around us, because... The relationship severed. And so I, um, again, I, I, I miss that relationship with my earthly father. You miss that relationship with your earthly mom. And I believe that's a, 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 it's a glimpse into God's heart. And so that second verse, blessed those who mourn, is so important for us as our, in our journey with Jesus. And so... I pray, Mosaic Church, that you really understand that. I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak to you as he has spoken to me, and, and I pray he's spoken to us, and is that let's really not just, over, just, just wash over that verse really quick, but let's just really meditate on that verse. Blessed are those who mourn. Now, there's another part which I absolutely love, for they will be comforted. Um, I don't have time. Uh, Romans chapter 7, 24, Paul talks about, you know, uh, I'm going to be rescued from this, this mortal body. Um, and in Revelation 21, one of my favorite verses, it says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And that's one of the things that we can, and not only a future tense, I believe in, current tense, that God can comfort us. 
you know, th- those times of shadows that, you know, mourning, they come, but there's also times of joy where our mourning is turned into dancing. And we can experience that joy, that love right now, but there's also going to be that greater dancing and joy and peace and comfort that when we uh, are, are that time of eternity with Jesus. So our, our time is up, Kim, and I would love for you to uh, pray for us a couple things. Pray that we would have his heart and that we would mourn for our own sins, that we wouldn't ignore them because they do sever relationship. And then pray for our city that desperately needs Jesus. So let's just pray. Uh, pray. Let's bow our heads and, and let's pray together. God, I want to start by just thanking you for being a God who understands mourning and who um, grieves the distance in the relationship with us because you pursued us first and you made it possible for us to be in relationship and to share our lives with you. Um, And that's all your design and you deserve the credit for that. And um, as we're seeking a greater understanding of what it is to mourn our own sin and to mourn the sins of the world, um, you are the best teacher for that. And so we trust you in that. Um, God, I pray that you would make this lesson and this concept really root in our hearts um, that you would touch each of us that you would touch me um, in the ways that I need greater understanding here and a greater sense of mourning and poverty of spirit that I would be looking up to you and not looking down or around or to myself or my own power God I pray that it wouldn't just be a head knowledge but it would be really a heart humbling to grieve the distance that these things create in our relationship with you and our ability to walk with you and see see things through your eyes. Um, God, that you know the depth of that pain um, that you experienced on the cross, taking the penalty for that separation. And God, I pray that you would give us some glimpses into that um, as we examine our own lives. That you would also give us that spirit of mourning for others in our lives, for friends, for family, for those in our city, in our workplaces, in our friend groups. God, that we wouldn't see the sin, but would see the life of sin and the life that ultimately means separation from you and all that that you've designed for us and for the world. And that that mourning would help us to to close that gap in our own lives and to see opportunity um, there, um, that you know kind of where those, those broken spirit places are in order to reconcile that gap. Um, and we give you all the glory and all the thanks for the fact that this is your perfect plan and yeah. that we can trust you with every step of this process. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, thank you, Kim and Adam. Thank you for coming and being candid and open with us. And I pray that... Um, that lives were changed and challenged our church. I pray that we don't end the day the same way we started, that we were, would be drawn closer to Christ and have his heart. And that's our, our desire, that we would have his heart. I just want to say thank you, Mosaic Church. Uh, again, please send us uh, an email and let us know uh, that uh, if we can pray for you and just connect with us. And um, again, tonight, hopefully we'll catch you in our Zoom party at 7 o'clock. Uh, help me out. May the Lord be with you. He is risen. God bless you. We are dismissed. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. 
To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.